Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Not a lot of overtimes in uh, recent Sabres games, but uh, Sabres are making headway in the standings despite uh, a couple of challenging games against Philadelphia over the last seven days. Welcome to the show. I think, Marty, we're feeling prompted by constant fluctuation to the lineup as, you know, yeah. how we assess what we've just seen and try to figure out what we're about to see. Um, it's presenting some interesting looks for the coaching staff. Right, well, it presented interesting looks on Saturday night, right? Going 11 forwards and 7D. So now some of the forwards said it's hard to get into a rhythm, but others, I have known that when there's 11 forwards, they feel like they're on the ice, you know, a lot more. And look, Tage found himself having a great game. Uh, you know, Alex stuck with a couple of goals. By the way, red light just for Alex stuck over here. You know, I can't press the button because it won't go on, but um, buy you know, some that, batteries. Uh, well, maybe it's that, or maybe it's just an old, like, uh, promotional red light that never really worked. But um, no, so yeah, it it presents different options, different options in lines, different options in in deep pairing, uh, you know, different option in that now because Lukanen played Friday, well Wednesday, Friday, Levi on Saturday. So I I personally like that. Look, you're always going to have your standard, right? We we talked last week. At some point, they're going to go back to Skinner, Thompson, Tuck. Well, they did Saturday night, but it wasn't always Skinner, Thompson, Tuck because you had to switch the lines because you had 11 forward. So the flexibility, I think, is is important. Now, I mean, teams would probably prefer to have their four lines in 6D and always know what they have. But right now, you can try different things. I think it's fair to say that Skinner, Thompson, and Tuck are back together, though. I, I would assume so. I well, mean, they are based on the game score. and practice and no yeah. cousins moving forward in the short term. So, yeah, but again, like, okay, so how do you move forward? Because 11 and seven was so good against, uh, you know, Toronto that at practice on Monday, they, they didn't go 11 and seven technically because there's right. no reasons for that. Right. In warm up Saturday, they didn't go 11 and seven because there's no reasons for that. But against Carolina on Tuesday, they could go 11 and seven. We don't know that. And it would mean that, yes, you could have your, your Thompson line with Skinner and Tuck, but you could also maybe all, all of a sudden put Jordan Greenway in there. All of a sudden put somebody else, JJ Paterka in there. You can move things around. I think you're hedging or couching or fence sitting or something because it doesn't line up with what I'm couching. You're couching I'm... for sure. <laughs> um, no, but like in practice, it's Skinner, Thompson, Tuck. So we know this is going to be the case because yes, he explained why Ryan Johnson was the seventh D and why they didn't use him extensively until the third period on Saturday, where he got even better. And he mm -hmm. played predominantly with Darlene, which is where he practiced on Monday. So I, I don't think he's lying. And I'm not saying you think he's lying. I'm saying, I think it's more obvious to me than it is to you in this moment that it's going to be 12 and six against Carolina. And then what have we learned about this? Well, we've learned that, the top line looked like the top line last year. Uh, yeah. Middlestat can be productive seemingly with whomever right now, but he also has good Anybody. chemistry with uh, Paterka specifically and Greenway. And the bottom two lines are not producing a ton of offense right now. So yeah. Jost, um, by the numbers, I believe has been more effective between Gergensen's and Opozo than Krebs has been so far. 
And that leaves Krebs on a different line right now with Rusek and presumably Olofsson because Savoy is up, but he's not active yet. And Don Granado doesn't really feel an urgency to get him in right now without more practice time. So like, if I'm looking at a question mark, uh, not a question mark, but uh, an unknown moving forward here, it's can Krebs and Olofsson and let's say Rusek find something here in the absence of Brandon Byro, who's now on IR, and again, still no cousins. Well, I guess I'm hedging because I have enough experience in trying to guess the lineup coming up that uh, I've been I've been uh, fooled once or twice. So I'm going to hedge on that. The other part that I'm hedging is because coaches, and I don't know that Don Granado falls technically into that, but they don't like to change a winning lineup. And if you went 11 and 7, then you're like, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe we don't want to do it. But at the same time, it was a necessity, uh, you know, to go. Well, was it a necessity? You still had Rusek available. You just you chose not to to dress him in the game. Right. Uh, but I'm, you know, they talked about giving younger players a look. Mm-hmm. So I know you mentioned Matt Savoy, and you mentioned Savoy and Granado. Granado saying about Savoy that he'll need a few practices. So most likely not going to see him Tuesday night. I would suggest, and I'm going to really put all my chips in the middle of the table and say, Savoy is not going to play Tuesday night. Don Granado said he'll need practices, but who knows, right? But then you move ahead later that week and you're like, okay, are we still giving Rusek a longer look? Are we giving Savoy a look? Are we giving Ryan Johnson a look? Because it seems to me like it has brought a different energy. Byro came in, brought it an energy. Like that to me has changed a little bit as how the Sabres have done things the last week as opposed to last season, what we know works best. Well, this year, what we don't know may work best. And that's why we've seen Olofsson, you know, a healthy scratch. We've seen uh, even when Bryson came in, brought in some different energy. So I, I'm always going to be a little bit more like pencil than pen when doing my notes ahead of time. Right, but I think you just artfully dodged my question again, and that is, what <laughs> would you expect, or what, like, how does Krebs feel like he can contribute? Oh yeah, more? how does Olsen feel like he can contribute more? And can Rusek help them contribute more? Because right now you're looking like that's the spot in the lineup where you're looking at okay, well, there's not a lot here. Now I said Jost has maybe been by the numbers more effective in between yeah. Gergensen's and Opozo. But no matter how you look at the fourth line, it's not chipping in as much either. So, like, it's a good thing Tuck has found his rhythm, Thompson's found his rhythm, Middlestat has a rhythm, Paterka has a rhythm right now because they don't, they haven't quite struck that balance all the way through that made them a top three, you know, offensive team last year. They're trending the right way. Unfortunately, I totally forgot about your question because I went into rambling like I do sometimes. My brain goes 100 miles an hour. (laughs) Um, but you're right. So how does Krebs find his offensive touch and how does Olofsson find his offensive touch? For me, I'd like to say that, and this is going to sound a little, if they had the offense that we have to expect from them, we would have seen it now. I mean, we are, you know, more than 10 games in, we are, you know, like in almost in the middle of November now. And I, I not want to say that, what you're seeing is what you get, but often we're hopeful that things are going to change. 
That's why I personally think that that's why Byro was called up. That's why Rusek was called up. That's why Savoy is going to get a look. That's why Benson got as much as a look on top lines as he is, as he has, because I, and not speaking from the, for the team here, my, myself, I'm looking at it and I say, I think we are seeing what this year may look like for Krebs, what this year may look like for Olofsson, what this year may look like for the fourth line, which it's fine if it's only your fourth line that's going out there and being responsible and playing a hard game. And Zemgus has provided a little bit of offense, right. but, but the you can't have goals, two bottom it, lines. Right. The expected goals is not great right now for the bottom no. group. And, and and more so the chances that they're allowing. It's one thing to just be neutral, right? And I get it. Like, you're going to get in some tough matchups, obviously. But I just think that this is, this to your point, it's a real work in progress here. And I don't yeah, think no, they've it's found a it real yet. work in progress. And it's a scratching for answers because we have, uh, you know, we dig into the numbers. We look at the expected goals, the shots for, the shot against, the chances for, chances against, all the five on five. We look at how the power play is trying to generate. But I look at even the power play, you know, against Toronto. Owen Power gives it to Victor Olofsson. He has the big one timer. You're thinking, if Victor's going to provide you offense, Look, I know that his five-on-five production last year was better than what we've seen, but he's he was always more of that power play. Get your production on the power play, and then your five-on-five will, will follow. Mm-hmm. Well, he had the one-timer. It missed the net on the right side by five feet, and then power could have fed it to Olofsson again. He chose not to, gave it to Paterko, walked in and scored. So mm-hmm. I'm saying, from what I'm looking at, it's just not not just – you know, the outside looking and say, well, Victor, you know, we all have known now for a little bit that it's it's not the piece of the puzzle doesn't seem to work as well as you would want it to be. And Peyton Krebs, although will be a really good NHL player, in my opinion, the offense is, in my opinion, not going to be what we're going to talk about in Peyton Krebs. He had, James Patrick said the NHL puts you right. in your place. Yeah. I think the NHL is putting Peyton Krebs in his place and he, he has to develop a different side of his game. Can he be a bottom two pair, a bottom two line center that will go against at times the other team's top line and shut them down? That's more where I think it's got a trend to, as opposed to the offense. Do you think there's any benefit in considering Krebs spending a little bit of time in Rochester? Not right now. Not, not right now. I think that personally I would I would I would put him on the line that he knows he's on that line. And when it was with Zemgus Gergensons and Caloposo, they were aligned. Now, Need made him move up and down the lineup. He played wing. And right. He was with Joe's. I think it's moved around. Give him a line and say, listen, this is your role. I'm going to give you a checklist of things to do. You're going to be defensively responsible. You're gonna you're gonna shut down uh, you know, the line against who you're playing. You're you're like you're gonna provide offense. When it presents, it presents itself. You're not going to force offense. You're going to pre- you're going to provide it when it's there. I think there's a checklist of things that you have to to give Peyton Krebs, but give him some some constant variables, which is your wingers, to work into that. And I think with Krebs right now, it's hard because he's the one pieces that moves around most than anybody else. I know what you're saying. It's just based on everything we've just seen in the last week with the call-ups and the injuries, it's hard to imagine that he's going to find a consistent spot at the moment, unless again, this, this new look potentially 
with Rusek and Olafson, like maybe it kicks it into high gear. I don't know. And I don't even know what high I, gear is. You just, I just, you know, I just think that based on the expectations outwardly and the expectations that they promoted from within that they have on themselves, I don't think it's unfair to say that all these players we're talking about feel like they can do more. No. And, and look, it, Thompson has gotten himself going, right? And that's great. And he looks good on the PK. He looks yeah. good on five on five. The power play is still not where you want it to be, although he took more shots and they created more at the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the other unit that scored a power play goal Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Skinner, Skinner is rolling. Skinner is exactly what anybody would have wanted him to be, even when he wasn't on the top line and he was with Middlestat. He was going. Casey's going. Tuck is interesting to me because Tuck is playing better. Uh, Tuck now has three goals, scored two against the Leafs. Tuck still not has not beaten a goalie on a shot. He's had a deflection with a stick and a deflection off his arm and an empty net goal. Like, what is a, a, a trait of Alex Tuck's game? Power forward, down the wing, shot, rebound, get to the net, bang in a rebound. Like, he has still not shot a puck into the net to beat a goaltender. So... I think that that's coming and the confidence that he hopefully got from Saturday night, but you know, so Krebs, Olofsson, Rusek, the fourth line, whatever. I think you can put Alex Tuck in that list of players that I still not found their groove offensively the way that we were hoping they would. Um, with Ryan Johnson, let's focus on the defense here. Um, yeah. We saw seven defensemen on Saturday. Johnson didn't play a ton of minutes, ended up uh, less than nine on the night, but half of his shifts came in the third period. He saw the more, most of his five-on-five five time with Rasmus Dahlin, and that's who he lines up with in practice. Now, we know Samuelson is on injured reserve, and that means, you know, out of minimum seven days. Um, what What is possible here? between Johnson and Darlene in the short term. Well, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, as uh, Jim Carrey would have said in Dumb and Dumber, I like it a lot. Um, because when Ryan Johnson got called up, I thought in myself, Tia Samuelson is out. Do I want to disrupt power and Yoki Aryu? Do I want to disrupt, you know, Clifton and Johnson? Possibly no. Could I see Ryan Johnson with Rasmus Darlene? And then I start to fantasize of that how that could look Darlene skate ability and you know playmaking ability and all of that and Ryan Johnson skate ability and you know being able to read one another and so I think to me that is kind of a a, a nace up your sleeve right like knowing that Matthias Samuelson went down and last year when Samuelson went down the Sabres obviously did not have results they did not have a good record at all they couldn't fill that hole well Ryan Johnson can definitely be, be that ace up your sleeve that, okay, you know what? You just lost a big piece in defense. Boom. Let's drop that down. Let's go. Let's see what you got. And I like that in the third period, Don Granado gave Ryan Johnson more ice time. Took him a couple of periods to get adjusted. I actually thought he looked so good. That pass to Jeff Skinner was like NHL standout, right? You, you avoid a check from Ryan Reeves, number one. You take two strides forward and then you sling it to the far blue line to Skinner for the, to the partial down the wing break and, mm-hmm. and slap shot. Like that to me is the type of plays that I know I've seen him do at the rookie camp, at in training camp and, and all. Now, 
will he do it every game in the NHL? It's a lot to ask, but mm. I like the idea of Darlene and Ryan Johnson together. I, I really think that in the absence of Matthias Samuelson, that could be the, the difference from last year, not having Sammy in the lineup to this year, having somebody that can fill that gap. Well, I think yes, for sure. But also that's why they believe they went and added Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton for fear yeah. of if you lose any of your top guys that they're going to have more depth and more balance. Now, I say this like somewhat surprised as far as how practice went Monday because Clifton was back with Eric Johnson when on Saturday with seven defensemen, Clifton's bulk of even strength time was with Owen Power. And Clifton yeah. had arguably his best game as a Sabre. Um, his course, he was up around 70%. And Owen Power, on you know the other side of that pairing, also had a really strong game, very quickly making people forget about a minus five that was likely inappropriately attached to him on Friday, but yeah. he still had to wear it. You know what I mean? Like, that, it's pretty great yeah, when, when you have his ability to just move on and i think that's a very overrated trait that power has here underrated uh, yeah, underrated he's like a trait, goldfish sorry. he's like he's like a goldfish like yeah. he doesn't remember <laughs> five minutes ago and sometimes that's good sometimes that's not so good you got to be able to build momentum sometimes but okay so quickly on the addition of connor clifton and eric johnson which by the way everybody is continuing to rave about ej on the blue line and the penalty mm -hmm. kill and to the point where you know who is it was it Tate that Tuck. said Tuck. oh Alex Tuck he says oh man like look at EJ on the penalty kill like he's made such a difference oh and also Marty our assistant coach who's mm -hmm. done some work but it was almost like Eric Johnson is the the one guy right and maybe he is maybe he's very vocal maybe he helps a lot on the bench maybe mm -hmm. on the ice that's great now the difference with those two again when you lose Samuelson is you don't want to take Connor Clifton or Eric Johnson right now and move him up with Darlene. I think what you're trusting is that you can kind of spread the minutes a little bit more evenly over your three pairings, but mm -hmm. it's not one of those guys that's going to jump in and fill in like the Samuelson role where Ryan Johnson, I believe could because mm -hmm. of the upside that he has because of the hockey sense that he has and being able to play with a guy like Rasmus Darlene. It's not easy to play with dolls. And because he does so many things off the cuff. So I think that's important. Um, but Connor Clifton had a fantastic game. Absolutely. Could that be a, a positive for him to take with him and now have that same type of game with Eric Johnson that you can be yeah. like, okay, we gave you some time with Owen Power, but now take yeah. it with EJ because EJ is going good. And we're going to have, Look at Yoki Aryu playing with power. He's played great this year. Right, but Yoki played most with Darlene at even strength on Saturday. That's the funny part to me. That's why yeah. I looked at these pairings and was somewhat surprised. And then if you really want to confuse the issue or muddy the waters or statistical <laughs> overload, the Sabres are 3-0 and when Jacob Bryson's in the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. what I was going to say. Bryson's no, uh, you know not bad either he's 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 not playing well. much but i'm just saying you know like that's it is what it is so but i've been on teams duffer where we've had a seventh defenseman mm -hmm. who has come in sp spottedly like oh you play a couple of games there you don't yeah. you play as a 7d or you play as a 6d and you play only seven minutes but that role is important and i think look bryson may not like it but right. the way that it's lined up right now is look you're our 7d 
and we're going to use you and we're going to need you. But if there's a, another spot, like a Matthias Samuelson spot that becomes vacated, mm-hmm. we have guys in Rochester that we want to call up and use in that situation. Well, when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York, Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters, open daily, self-service betting kiosks available 24-7 at all three locations, that's Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek. And the Sports Lounge features the latest lines, multiple screens, so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. How do they find the thrill of the win in Carolina, where we know historically it has not been easy the last half dozen years, and don't misjudge the Hurricanes and their 7-5 and five record, even goal differential, and really, really, really bad save percentage. The Hurricanes are unbeaten at home at 3-0, and and they are one of the top comeback yeah. teams in the NHL. So do not let the big picture fool you on the Canes and what they are. Now, two things. One, um, Sports Lounge has a ton of red lights, so it works because you know they turn them on when the Sabres play and they score. That's one. Two, you gotta you gotta keep scoring goals. Yeah. Um, reports this on Monday morning that Freddie Anderson is dealing with a medical issue. That Yaroslav Alak has been brought in on a tryout. Um, that's because Antti Ranta has been like kind of uh, you know hot and cold, and there has been his moment. Pyotr Kochetkov was down in Syracuse. Um, so there's goaltending. I don't want to call it drama in mm-hmm. Carolina, but what was their strength? has not been their strength this year. Their defensive game has not been their strength this year. So scoring for me is always in those type of situations going to be what, what will set you apart, what the Sabres can do and how that's going to set them in the right direction for, for this game. There's plenty of time. I'll tell you, got to win that game two to one. Got to win that game one nothing. You got to play solid defensively. I'm going to go way out to the other side against Carolina and it's you got to create you got to take chances you got to score 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 because Carolina they still have some good offense but they've not been able to keep they have great offense but they've not been able to keep it out of their net so you gotta you gotta want to go out there and and win it six four five three that's the way you win the game Islanders never got the fourth goal on Saturday. They led Carolina 3-0 and then lost it 4-3. So that's the type of team they're up against. Obviously, they have the Sabres do. They have Minnesota for Hockey Fights Cancer Night on Friday and at Pittsburgh on Saturday. Um, What's the bigger concern now? Uh, Or let me put it this way. Uh, Many people are saying... I love that. We should have a T-shirt. Many people are saying... they are still concerned with Buffalo's inconsistency on home ice. Now, this may seem like a weird time to ask it, but when you have so few home games this month, you need to find a way to feel good on home ice. And I, you know, like this is, this is the challenge with this group right now, right? They're three and four on home ice after it was a big talking point last year. And I still don't know how to identify the issue. I don't know how to identify the issue. Uh, simply because, uh, look, you can try no morning skate. You can try, you know, uh, uh, no skate the day before and just the morning skate. You can try many different things. And I know Don Granato has tried many different things. You can try to duplicate your schedule from the road. Mm-hmm. You can say, hey, this is how we're going to get it done. Um, for me, I, and this is going to sound so weird. For me, 
the reason why the Sabres have been good in black and red is because there is a different energy in the building and the players feel it. Right, and, but that and didn't happen look, on Friday, and it's kind of not uniform. It didn't happen now. about against twice against the Flyers, right? So in two years. No, but I mean they're but, three and four at home this year, and it has nothing to do with black and red. No, no, they no. Run, but I'm they, just saying, like, there's I without without saying in a different way, I think that it's been flat at the arena. And the players are a reason for that. Start the game hot, like go boom, boom, boom. But I don't feel like the arena's been buzzing. It's been flat. And you know, it's it's a weird thing to try to explain, but I can tell you that what like I had terrible games in New Jersey, I had terrible games in Atlanta, two of my worst teams to play against. Because when you went in those buildings, it was awful. It was dead. It was never fun to play there. Now, I think it impacts more the home team than it impacts the away team. The away team's usually whatever. But I I like the buzz in building. I like a Montreal. I like a Ottawa. I like an MSG. I like the Philadelphia. I like those buildings because they were buzzing. As the away team, I like getting yelled at. Biron, you suck. Like, I liked it. And I, I, I jumped up to the front of the line for that. And I feel like because the team has had lack of success at home and because they've not started games the right way at all, mm-hmm. the building's been flat and they've, they've, they've gone flat with the building. So you've got to create your energy. I, so the building gets energized, but I, it's, it's on the players, obviously. So I, I don't know. It's the only thing I can come up with. I had a long list of things to get to. Guess what? We didn't hit them all. That means we'll have a full plate on Sabres Live throughout the week, Tuesday through Friday on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. Marty, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you soon. 